Hey, Andrew Picklers. Welcome to episode seven of our podcast, Pickleball Therapy. This week, we're going to talk about a subject that's near and dear to my heart, process-oriented pickleball. May sound boring, but trust me, it is anything but that. By the end of this podcast, you'll know what I mean when I say good miss and bad winner. Let's get into it. Every week, players ask Lori or me about the Into Pickle Academy. They want to know more about our online courses and what they're about. If you're interested in knowing more about the Into Pickle Academy, you can visit intopickle.com and you'll be able to link to a video that explains the Into Pickle Academy. Or better yet, join us for one of our free 30-minute workshops. During the workshop, you'll learn a thing or two and learn about the Academy. See you in class. I'm going to give you some specific pickleball examples in a second, but before I get into some the specifics of pickleball or how process-oriented uh, approach applies to pickleball, I wanted to talk a little bit about how it's used in other sports just generally. Uh, if you think about other athletes or other sports and other uh, athletes in other sports who are uh, successful in their endeavors, most of them follow some sort of process-oriented approach. I like to think of uh, in football – Alabama in college is one of the, the best programs, been one of the best programs for years. And if you ever watch a, a game where Alabama is up, you know, 52 to three against, you know, a team that's in a different division or something like that, at the end of the game, it'll be 52 three. There'll be like three minutes left. And Nick Saban, the coach of the, of the team, is on the sidelines losing his mind about something. The reason he's upset in that situation might be because an offensive guard missed a blocking assignment or something, you know. What we would consider kind of a routine thing that that really doesn't matter at a 52-3 game with three minutes left. What Nick Saban understands is that that missed block assignment may not hurt the team in that game, but it will certainly hurt the team when the team is playing another uh, you know strong powerhouse kind of a team later on in the season. So what he's worried about is he's not worried about the results of the game. He's not worried about it being 52-3. to That's not what drives his decision-making or his thinking. What drives it is the process. He knows that if the guard makes that blocking assignment uh, over and over and over again, the results will be what they'll be, and they're they're more likely going to be positive if the blocking assignment is properly executed. So you know the the, the process oriented approach isn't something that's uh, specific or particular to pickleball. It's something you can find when you look at successful uh, coaches and successful athletes in different sports applying that process. Let me give you a couple of specific examples dealing with pickleball and pickleball play and how the process approach compares to the results approach to looking at the game. The first story is I'm playing several years ago in a competitive rec game and I poach. I come across the, the front of my partner who wasn't quite wasn't up at the line yet. I come across on a poach, smack the ball, put it away. And my partner says that that's a really good shot, Tony. Excellent. You know, and in and, and this partner of mine was sort of a mentor basically kind of teaching me the game a little bit but I you know so I was like yeah that's great so um, not two or three minutes later same exact situation presents itself same exact ball same positioning everything's identical literally uh, I come across I poach I hit it but this time I clipped the top of the tape and I missed the shot so my partner says to me he says um, what'd you do that for and, and I turned to him and I said, hey, I mean, I'm like, it's the same thing I did before. It's exactly the same ball, the same positioning, the same shot, everything. The difference was one went in, one, one didn't go in. What he was doing, what my partner doing there was he was applying results, a results-oriented uh, analysis or, or, or uh, evaluation of my play, which I, I didn't think then and I don't think now was, is, was or is the right way of looking at it. 
the fact that one shot went in and one shot didn't go in doesn't change whether what I did at the time was the right play or not the right play. In other words, what's important is the process. Uh, did I make the right decision to poach? Was it a poachable ball? Was it high enough to attack? Uh, was my partner not in the right position to attack it and I was in a better position to attack it? When you look at those factors and evaluate it based, you know, based on what I knew at the time you know, that I made the decision to poach, I think it was the right decision both times to poach that ball. The only difference was one went in and one didn't. Being process-oriented doesn't mean that you're going to win 100% of the uh, shots you hit or 100% of the decisions you make are not going to bear bear fruit or, or bear out for you. But what it will what what it will happen is that if I play a process-oriented approach, I will win more than I will lose. In other words, when I poach there, let's say I'm hitting, let's call it an 85% shot or a you know 80 80 or 85% shot. You want me to hit an 80 or 85% shot because that means that eight out of 10 times we're going to win that that point right there and only lose it, you know, 15 or 20% of the time. Whereas if I don't poach that ball, you know, the percentages drop to, let's say we're going to win 60% of the time. Well, obviously 80% is better than 60%. So you want me to take that poach. The second miss there is what I would call a good miss. In other words, I, I came across, I did the right things, but I missed the shot because we're human beings. We're not robots. So we're going to miss shots that we otherwise, you know, would make more often than not. But that's a good miss because everything was done well in the sense of the decision-making, the movement, all that. Maybe my stroke mechanic was a little bit off, but it's still a good miss because the intentionality of the shot, the process of, of the shot and the shot selection is the correct shot. Let me illustrate the concept from the other side of the coin. What would you, we would consider a bad winner? So and I'll use myself again. So I'll do this sometimes when I'm playing is I'll, I'll move forward. Uh, let's say I'm playing with Jill. She hits a really nice long dink from, you know, the, let's say the fifth shot or the seventh shot. She hits a really nice long dink. It's going to stress our opponent. I can tell that it's a good long dink. It's it's pulling our opponent wide. There's a good chance it's going to be a pop-up, but I don't move forward. So I'm, I'm let's say I'm six foot from the, the, the MBZ. The ball comes over. I can still hit a, a decent volley from there. I smash my volley from there, and I hit a winner. So it, it's a successful shot. Uh, the result is good because we won the rally. But the question is not, did we win the rally? The question is, did I do the right thing? Was the process good? And the answer there is the process was not good because I did not close the gap between where I was standing, that extra six feet, and the NBZ line. If I hit shots from there, let's assume that I hit all of my winning shots on the same scenario. I hit all of my shots from that six-foot mark behind the NBZ. My results are going to be worse than they would be if I close and get up to the NBZ line and hit the balls from there. Why? Because the balls will be higher, I'll be able to hit down on them better. They, my my opponents, the opponents will have less time to recover and get back into position, so I'll have more of an open area to play with. It's just you reduce the chances of error and you increase the chances of actually over, overcoming your opponent's defenses by being closer to the line. So it's just a better shot over time. That's why I say that in this situation, even though it's a winner, it's a bad winner. It's not a good winner because the process was wrong. And just like in the Alabama game we talked about earlier. It didn't hurt me there because I happened to hit a you know a successful shot there, so we won the rally. But that kind of a, a play, that kind of a process will hurt me long term. And this is where understanding process-oriented pickleball or, or playing process-oriented pickleball is so important. If I don't understand that I hit a bad winner there, then I'm not going to correct my play in future situations like that. And what will happen is that will come back to haunt me. 
understanding the, that it's that I need to look at process or focus on process rather than focusing on results will help me improve in that situation and it'll help me understand that okay I next time I need to close those that six foot gap and hit a better shot I normally don't read during these podcasts but I, I wrote a, a blog about this a specific subject and I really like the way this ended so I'm going to read this part to you so based on the same situation I just described to you, the six foot, you know, hitting the, the winning volley from six foot behind the NVZ line of the non-volley zone line or being up on the non-volley zone line. I'm going to kind of throw you a curveball here. I'm going to, I'm going to phrase it like this. I would rather that I had moved forward and missed the volley put away than having stance or stood still where I was and won the rally. So no, I'd rather do the right thing. Even if, if in that particular uh, shot or that particular rally, it ends up not being successful than having done the wrong thing and happening to win that that rally. And here's why. I'm not interested in winning a point here and there. I'm interested in winning games and more games. And then I want to win some matches. And with some work and a little luck, I'd like to win some tournaments. To do this, you need to understand that process and not results is how you measure your performance as a pickleball player. That may sound a little intense, a little dramatic, but that's on purpose because if you don't understand that process is what drives good results, in other words, that process is necessary to good results, it'll be really difficult to improve as a pickleball player. At the end of the day, if you want to play better pickleball, you will focus on the process and not the results. If you want to hear my suggestions on how to get maximum improvement that I'm making in response to an article written in Pickleball Magazine by the Pickleball Curmudgeon, stay tuned for the riff. You'd like to help your friend or family member learn how to play pickleball, but how? Now it's easy. Pick up a copy of Play Pickleball, A Beginner's Guide. It's the most complete guide to playing pickleball. Available as a digital download or in hard copy at intopickle.com or at Amazon. Let's keep growing the sport. A friend of the podcast shared with me an article in the Pickleball Magazine, August, September 2020 edition by Craig Laughlin, who calls himself the Pickleball Curmudgeon. I'd like to know the story behind that one day, Craig. But the article was talking about how, you know, helping other people on court and things like that. But what caught my attention was the beginning of the article. He talks a little bit about his own improvement as a player, as a pickleball player. And he talks about some of the resources he uh, relies on, some of the videos he watches, including ours, which was nice to see. But, you know, he talked in there about how he, he felt like his progress was maddeningly slow, maddeningly slow. And so what I wanted to do is is tease a little bit on this riff, and then next week I'll expound on it some more. One thing you got to be careful about when you're improving is you have to be careful about becoming overloaded. So you have to be careful of having TMI or too much information. And so what happens is sometimes as players will will just it's like a flood of information coming into us. We're watching every video out there, reading every book, listening to every comment or every suggestion that's being made out there. And what ends up happening is that actually hampers our development. Another friend of the podcast shared with me a concept of uh, uh, Alan Fine, I believe was the name of the gentleman. And it basically talks about, it just paraphrasing here, it talks about basically removing interferences or removing uh, obstacles to improvement. I think what happens sometimes is when we, when we receive too much information or we take it in too much in at one time and trying to do too much at one time, we actually end up doing none of it or, or having a hard time doing any of it successfully. So next week I'll talk a little bit more about you know, really kind of having uh, channels or, or gates for the information that, that comes into your system or comes into your mind or comes into your game. And then also being able to identify the low-hanging fruit so you can improve your game fast as possible. Thanks for joining us this week. If you like the podcast, give us a review. It helps other players be able to find the information on here. 
Join us next week when we talk more about the type of information that will most help you improve your game. And stay safe out there.